The other day, Jim requested for a Dhamma talk. And Satnya, the note Satnya that Satnya gave Satnya me was on whether, um, uh, well, and in the context of certain dependent origination, namely uh, based on um, based on the physical eye and a visible form, based on this seeing consciousness arises, and then when the three come together, namely uh, the physical eye, yeah, then the visible form and the seeing consciousness, then we call this contact, fasa. And certainly this contact, certainly then according to you know, the formula of dependent origination, leads to the arising of feeling, and certainly feeling then leads to the arising of craving. And craving then in turn may lead to the arising of clinging. And this then to expand may arise satnya to the may lead to the arising of existence. And satnya this in turn may lead to the arising of birth. And satnya birth then dependent on birth arise decay and satnya death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and satnya despair. And so Jim is asking whether you know, there is a, a right type of relationship. So uh, you know, what has been stated is uh, a relationship uh, of dependent origination that uh, basically explains uh, this ongoing uh, cycle of birth and certain death, so of samsara. So that's Satnya the first question. I'll try to answer this. And Satnya then, the second question was um, uh, to say something about spiritual friendship in the context of a lay community or lay Sangha. Is that correct? Lay Sangha. Okay. So uh, those are you know, the two points. And certainly, I will try as best as possible you know, to answer to this to these two points, and certainly here and there also expand, if that's all right with you. <laughs> now we have uh, spoken about certain feelings. Uh, yesterday, namely unpleasant feelings and certain neutral feelings. And then you know, the Dhamma talk prior to yesterday's talk you know, was on you know, feelings in general and certainly with some emphasis on pleasant feelings. Now, in this context, certainly we spoke of feelings as activating latent tendencies. Now, you may have all noticed that today it has become substantially warmer. Now, are there any reactions to this? Any feeling associated with this? For some of you, unpleasant feeling. For me, a pleasant feeling. <laughs> And so, so, anyways, probably for the majority, and uh, rather an unpleasant feeling, uh, rather an unpleasant and a pleasant certain feeling, and certain so, uh, upon uh, experiencing this external heat, and actually, you know, the news are speaking of a heat, yeah, well, you know, some, uh, something like a heat wave. And certainly, so based on you know, this external input, you know, then you know, the body recognizes this, or the body is certainly impacted by this, affected by this, and certainly then you know, there's also mental registration of this. And then you know, one might already start you know, to sweat, and some. 
uh, then an unpleasant feeling goes along with the whole thing. Maybe a little bit of warming up is pleasant, but then sooner or later it turns into an unpleasant feeling. Now, this unpleasant feeling is said, according to our formula, to lead to craving. But how is this? Craving for what? What's that? Coolness. For coolness. There you go. And so, it's craving for coolness. There is a potential for aversion to arise, but there's also the potential for this craving for coolness to arise. And as the heat might get stronger, then our craving for coolness might even turn into a cling, so a stronger form. And then we might then start thinking about fans or air cons and things like this. Now, what then could be a right relationship or proper relationship in the series of dependent arising? Well, the Buddha speaks not only of of a series of dependent arising in, in the usually known sequence, but he also speaks of the opposite, namely the patiloma uh, aspect, the reverse. And retreatants have, for instance, reported the following. A retreatant sees a pair of shoes right in the middle of the entrance to the meditation hall. Um, whereas, suddenly, or despite of the fact that there are no shoe racks for those sudden shoes. So, this sudden then, in this particular yogi, created some sense of aversion. And Satna then possibly also craving for those shoes to be placed somewhere else or placed properly on a shoe rack. Now, when being mindful while the seeing process occurred, that same retreat and Satna then saw again a pair of shoes placed right in the middle of the entrance to near the meditation hall, and this time around no aversion arose, and no particular interest to move or craving to move those sudden shoes. Now, another retreat in Satna once Satna reported that some Upon hearing a particular sound, there was suddenly the arising of a very specific mental image. And suddenly the arising of that mental image then led on to the arising of both a mental pain and bodily pain. Now, the next time around, when being mindful of that same hearing process, early on the person was not mindful, then this did not lead to, or there was no arising of a mental image based on the hearing experience, the hearing process, and as a result of this, no arising of a mental pain or a bodily pain. So a number of possibilities are there. So, just like the Buddha speaks of dependent on ignorance arise karmic formations, in other words, certain volitions, dependent on those karmic formations arises consciousness, and dependent on consciousness arises mind and matter, and so on and so forth. Likewise, with the seizing 
of ignorance, there is the seizing of volitions, of karmic formations. With the seizing of karmic formations or volitions, there is the seizing of consciousness. With the seizing of consciousness, there are, you know, there's the seizing of mind and matter. With the seizing of mind and matter, you know, there arise no six certain sense bases. With the seizing of those six sense bases, you know, there arises no contact. With the seizing of contact, there arises no feeling. With the seizing of feeling, there arises no craving. And with the seizing of craving, there arises no clinging, and so on and so forth. So, the right relationship that certainly you asked about is certainly just the negation of certainly the earlier uh, set as certainly given in uh, the usual series that comes under dependent arising, paticca samupada, danaya. So, it is certain with mindfulness that we can break this certain cycle of certain dependent arising. And so, um, we could, if our mindfulness is certain somewhat certain sharp, then before the arising, so based on, let's say, a pleasant or unpleasant feeling, if we're mindful of that certain feeling, then a craving might not arise anymore. Or if we don't, or if our mindfulness is even sharper, then based on contact, or being mindful of the contact, then mm, then a feeling will still arise. Well, then yeah, feeling will still arise. We're mindful of that, and that then yeah, does not necessarily yeah, lead to yeah, the arising of for arising of craving. Now. When there is mindfulness at certain of the very moment of seeing, then this is certain cutting the cycle of dependent arising very early. So it is certainly through mindfulness that certainly we can bring about uh, at least certainly the temporary um, the seizing of certainly this certain chain of certain events, and certainly ultimately it is certainly through the realization of certainly the Dhamma that we can cut this cycle of birth and certainly death. And the Buddha has certainly expressed this in two Dhammapada verses, namely 153 and 154. He says, I who have been seeking the builder of this house, namely the body, failing to attain enlightenment, Bodhinyana or Sabanyutanyana, which is uh, yes, omniscient knowledge, which would enable me to find him, namely the builder, have wandered through innumerable births in samsara. To be born again and again is indeed dukkha. And then in verse 154, the Buddha goes on to state, O house builder, you are seen. You shall build no house for me again. All your rafters are broken. Your roof tree is destroyed. My mind has reached the unconditioned, namely Nibbana, the end of craving with the attainment of Arahata Magga Or the end of craving has been attained. 
So ultimately, it's certainly the realization, the attainment of arahata, magga, the path of holiness, that leads to a destruction of those of that of 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 the building. Now, in terms of fitness, spiritual friendship in the context of a lay sangha. Now, there's quite certain a number of fitness things certain that can be said in this certain context. First, how do we choose a spiritual friend? Does everyone qualify to be uh, a spiritual friend or not? And so, the Buddha has certainly given some advice on this, how to go about choosing a good friend. And such a friend yeah, then yeah, turns out uh, to be indeed a spiritual yeah, friend. So, when associating with yeah, someone, yeah, then we want to associate with yeah, some worthy man or woman, someone who is good, ideally a noble one, a so-called Arya. And this is this association with a noble one. This is known as Sapurisupasayo. Now, there is a discourse in the Sutta Nipata entitled The Unicorn's Horn. And Satna then, Satna then gives Satna a number of different lines of advice with whom to associate. And finally, it comes to the conclusion, if you don't find anyone suitable, then dwell like a unicorn. Live on, go on living all by yourself. Now, the Mangala Sutta, the discourse on blessings, might certainly serve as another reference point where it says, Ah, Sevana Chabalanam, Pandita Nancha Sevanam, and Puja Chapujaneanam, Etam Mangalam Uttamam. The meaning of Fatna, this Satna Dhammapada verse, is not to associate with fools, to associate with the wise, and to honor those who are worthy of honor. This is the highest blessing. So, if one associates too much Shatna with a fool, then what happens? What was that? Irritation will be there, and Jim? Well, you get influenced by the flow. Oh, indeed. So there's a certain influence Satna there. And Satna then, that Satna might have an impact on our own behavior. Now, when choosing someone as a friend or even as a spiritual friend, one that might certainly then take or one might certainly want to check the person's virtue. How is this person doing in terms of ethical conduct? And certainly so is this person really living by um, you know, the uh, by the five precepts or you know, eight precepts or monastic precepts or uh, other uh, forms of ethical guidelines. Now, how is certain this person in terms of integrity? Integrity in the sense of uh, you know, doing what one is, uh, what he or she is saying, and saying what he or she is doing. So do these two sides match or not? Now, 
again, some aspect that we might certainly want to pay attention to is um, how purified is his or her mind of mental defilements. So, of the mental defilements still raging at certain normal level, or has this person really made a big effort to temporarily and ultimately permanently abandon at least some of these mental defilements? So, the degree of purity of the person is the person could this person be a noble one someone who has gained at least the path of stream entry or not now the Mangalantna Sutta in clear words says to avoid fools and to associate with the wise very simple so, when you avoid certain people who don't have much understanding, don't have much wisdom, then you might end up in all sorts of difficult situations. Now, associating with the wise, however, then can be very meaningful, can be a great certain blessing, can bring possibly bring about major positive changes within yourself. Now, when choosing friends, it's not only about choosing a particular type of person, but also paying attention to the places that we go to. So choose if we um, go or frequent places where a great number of fools are hanging out, then we'll be in trouble. Now, this is certainly very theoretically expressed to be much more pragmatic when you go to some some pub or some discotheque where currently constantly drugs are being dealt, then sooner or later you'll be in trouble or you might be in trouble. So, the Buddha, with regards, or in, in the context of you know, the monastic you know, precepts, gives guidance even for, you know, or you know, gives guidance for the monastics to avoid going to a place where a battle is going on, because having to see all the violence doesn't really have a good impact on the mind. Now, the Tana Sutta, which is a relatively short discourse, recommends that one spend some time with a person to see whether he or she is really virtuous in conduct or not, and whether that person is integral or not, and then whether the person has courage or not. And so to find out whether a person can be brave is to watch him or her in a challenging situation. And then with that, the answer will be obvious. Now, in the context of friendship, then the aspect of friendliness might also matter. And so you're asking about a spiritual friend in the context of 
lead new sangha or lead new community. And certainly so when the precepts or certain ethical code of conduct is being observed by the entire community, then this is likely to develop friendliness among all the members of the community. And certainly this friendliness, one can say, is an indispensable requisite and foundation for community life. And certainly it also is a requisite, prerequisite for the progress of a community as a whole. Now, several passages then explain further the consequences of associating with a wicked person and certainly also with a foolish person. So the Buddha says not to form friendship with the wicked, for it is conducive to great loss. And certainly such kind of a friendship yeah, then yeah, would certainly be one of the six causes that certainly might lead to uh, ruin of a person. So if one happens to associate with a gambler or a glutton or a drunkard or a trickster or you know or even a bully then one will surely not benefit from this friendship at all So it's not only you know, the friendship that with the wicked you know, that certainly the Buddha disparages or you know, discourages, you know, but certainly also you know, the friendship but, you know, with the foolish. Because certainly you know, what they do might lack any kind of sense. Now, we find another layer of advice, namely, the Buddha speaks of so-called false friends. We have friends, but they're not genuinely true friends. They pretend to be friends. Now, a rapacious person is a person who is all take and who takes everything that is given wants a lot for very little and certainly what he must do he does out of fear and he seeks his own ends then we another form of a false friend is a person of words alone which parama in the Pali scriptural language. So, what she is, your, your speech, your words, and Parama is first. And Satna, so, uh, in other words, a great Satna talker. And so, such a person might talk uh, out of favors and, uh, or talks of favors in the past and in the future. And Satna then speaks only empty phrases of goodwill. And then when something actually needs to be done in the present, then he cites inability due to some natural disaster. So maybe the heat right now. Sorry, can't help. Not too hot. Or such a false friend might be a flatterer. So one who then ascends to bad actions, who descends from good actions, praises you to your face and disparages you behind your back. And then as the fourth category of false friends, the Buddha mentions fellow wasters. 
So a fellow spends certain thrift. So such a person, if you have such a person as a companion, then you will be pulled along into indulging in strong drink, and then you might be roaming the streets at unsuitable times, and then frequent places that are not suitable to frequent, and you might even indulge in gambling. So. Now, to recognize certain of those kind of people as false friends, mita dupi in the Pali scriptural language. Now, the venerable Saido Pandita, Bhivams of Burma, has spoken a great deal of the of a spiritual friend and certain of the seven qualities of a spiritual friend as mentioned in the Kalyana Maitatna Sutta of the Angutra Nikaya. Uh, volume 7, section 34. Now, there it says, Katamehi Satahi Piyocha Hoti Manapocha Garucha Bawaniocha Watacha Wachana Kamocha Gambirancha Katam Kata Nochatane Niyojakoti. The meaning of this Satna Pali verse is as follows in English One is dearly loved and revered, so as it not a spiritual friend, a good friend. And one who speaks and suffers speech, the speech one utters is profound, one does not urge without a reason, and one is totally solicitous of the welfare and uh, welfare of others and partial to progress. Now what certainly this certainly implies is certainly the following, namely, when we carefully and continuously observe our you know, precepts, then you know, this will lead to a change of our you know, ethical con or you know, will lead to changes in our bodily as well as our verbal conduct and certain people then over time realize that you know, they can rely on us so when we say a we mean a when we say b we mean b and certainly so you know, then you know, we are seen as a reliable person as an you know, ethical person, a person of virtue. And such a person you will then what, dislike or cherish? cherish? You will cherish, obviously. And so his or her fulfillment in terms of an ethical conduct then leads to the first quality of a spiritual friend, namely being dearly loved by others. And so this certain spiritual friend, to be very clear, does not necessarily, or these certain seven qualities, do not necessarily apply only to a monastic. So a spiritual friend can very well also be a lay person. Now, a person of ethical conduct then will be dearly loved by others and will also be respected in the community. Respected and reverence will be their guru in the Pali scriptural language. So naturally one gains others' respect. Now, respect, I have learned, 
is an important ingredient in human relations. If we do not we communicate with another person, communication seems fine, but deep and down deeper down in our heart, we do not respect the other person. Sooner or later, the other person will realize this, will feel this, will sense this, and will feel somewhat uh, mistreated. And you know, this may easily become you know, then, you know, one you know, point for uh, a conflict. Now, based on based on the um, impeccable ethical conduct and you know, then you know, the respect you know, that arises out of you know, this, one um, as a student then will be quite willing, quite prepared to radiate thoughts of loving-kindness to that certain spiritual friend, to include him or her in the list of the circle of people who receive one's metta. In the end, everyone should receive our metta. Now, sweet talk may be very pleasing and soothing to the ears, but if it's always and only sweet talk, then something is missing. And there may be cases when a student is not understanding a particular, uh, let's say, Dhamma aspect, or behaving in a way that uh, is even having an impact on you know, the entire you know, community, then these things need to be brought up. And so, so this Satna then is certain known as Vata, namely constructive criticism, if you like to. Not the type of criticism that hurts another person, that makes another person feel defensive, but a type of positive, constructive criticism that the other person can take and spoken at the right time in the right place under the right circumstances. So, if there is some flaw with a community member, and then in front of the entire community, one then says, oh, community member ABC is doing so and so, and this is improper conduct, then this might be overdoing it a bit. And Satna then will make that person that person feel really embarrassed. So what could have been said or what should be said one to one does not necessarily have to be said in front of a big group of people. Now when we point out others flaws as a spiritual friend, then we do not do so to hurt another person, but rather out of compassion, karuna, and wishing, seeing the negative consequences of the behavior that is certainly in question, and or in question, and then trying to change this in a positive way so that the person and the community as a whole suffers less. Now, 
then there is something as another as another quality of a spiritual friend we have wachanakama wachanakama which means not only is one in a new position or not only does one you know, point out other certain flaws out of certain compassion under the right circumstances but the spiritual friend himself or herself is also prepared to to take criticism himself or herself so it's not just a one-way communication. And certainly this point too makes a lot of fitness sense. And as a spiritual friend, one must be open to criticism, criticism in the interest of the entire community. So if one um, cherishes an attitude of okay if um, you know, some um, constructive criticism comes you know, from you know, the students and this will really help you know, to improve you know, the communication with everyone else it helps to improve the teachings and certain you know, what not then why not accept certain you know, this kind of a, you know, constructive criticism so in the end it will be for the benefit of certain you know, the community at certain you know, large and so at such a point, well, it's important to take out certainly the self out of the equation. Now, a spiritual friend is further one who is profound in speech. So, profound in speech should, um, means dhamma. One can speak of such a person speaks of the Four Noble Truths, of the Eightfold Noble Path, of the Three Universal Characteristics, Dependent Origination, the Four Establishments of Mindfulness, and so on and so forth. And now, since certain at home, we might be uh, torn on certain occasions, we might be talking a lot, we might pay attention to the quality of what we're saying and the topics that we are engaging in. So, uh, a lot of Futna talk on um, just uh, some trivial issues will not yield many benefits, neither for the person who engages in such trivial talk, nor the listener. But if what one has to say is based in the Dhamma, is filled with wisdom, can bring about a change in another person's heart or even open up another person's heart, then such kind of profound speech then can be very significant. Now, the last quality of a spiritual friend as given in the Kalyanamita Sutta is that one does not despise one because of one's, sorry, that one does not urge without reason, not abusing one's disciples. And this certain point is of much relevance. So as a spiritual friend, one might one will enjoy the respect, the reverence of others, loving kindness of others, and so on. And in this way, one comes into a certain position, maybe leadership position. And that position can be easily exploited in a wrongful way. 
and it has happened again and again and again and again. There's so many examples of various communities around the world where this has happened. So it could be abuse of power, it could be abuse of money, it could be abuse in terms of sexual conduct, and so on. And those kind of activities are devastating, or can be devastating for a community. So spiritual teacher should be very careful not to overdo it and not to um, go beyond certain limits to expect the students to do things that are simply improper. Now, again, when it comes to gauging whether a person is a spiritual, a true spiritual friend or not, the eight qualities of a good friend, as mentioned in another discourse, could certainly be helpful. And those qualities are as follows, namely, whether that person is endowed with faith, endowed with virtue, endowed with learning, endowed with generosity, fulfilled with effort, possesses good mindfulness, and is well concentrated and satna also full of wisdom. So eight qualities. Many of those qualities do arise out or can arise out of the mindfulness meditation practice. Faith arises, virtue arises when we keep precepts during a retreat and we pay attention to observing the precepts. Then Effort will be there, mindfulness will be there, concentration will be there, wisdom will be there. And so as our craving or our desire will gradually get less, there will be an increase in a willingness to give. So in other words, generosity. So practice also then will help with this particular quality. Now, when it comes to learning Sutta Sampana, that obviously has to be done outside of retreat. Although, actually, doing intensive mindfulness practice is in some ways like attending an Abhidhamma course. Because? Because of what? Well, because you're closely mindful of what is happening in the mind, you start to see the workings of the mind. And then what you see there, you will see, will very much correspond to what Satna the Abhidhamma is Satna saying. So it's a practical course in Abhidhamma, at least some aspects of Satna Abhidhamma. No. Is this enough, Jim? <laughs> well, you might. Uh, the Buddha had still more to offer. <laughs> so, we have as another source of or as another reference the first metta sutta so the first discourse entitled a friend and 
it is it mentions seven qualities. A friend or retreatants should be followed when one when he or she possesses seven factors. What seven? He or she gives what is difficult to give. He or she does what is difficult to do. The person patiently endures what is difficult to endure, reveals his or her own secrets, and does not abandon one in misfortune, and does not despise one because of one's loss. A friend should be followed when he or she possesses these seven factors. And with regard to, I think, the qualities of a spiritual friend, the Kalyanamita Nesuta has mentioned earlier on, it says in that context, even if that spiritual friend sends you away three times, still stick with him or her, return to the person, and certainly stay with that spiritual person or spiritual friend. Now, these are various certain qualities that certainly the Buddha has mentioned in connection with a friend or a spiritual friend. Now, when it comes to our community, be it a community, a monastic community, or a lay community, there are certain principles that certainly the Buddha has greatly praised to be mm, you know, very uh, helpful for uh, the life of certainly the community. And those certain principles are mentioned in the Saraniya Sutta, or are known as Saraniya Dhamma, and certainly they are known in English as principles of cordiality. You can find a reference, or you can find the relevant passages both in Anguttara Nikaya 6, section 12, as well as the 48th discourse of the Majjhima Nikaya. Now, the Buddha states, there are, O retreatants, these six principles of cordiality that create love, respect, or let's better say, you know, that create affection, respect, manapa in Pali, conduce to helpfulness, and sangaha, to non-dispute, to concord, and to unity. So, six principles of cordiality that lead to six benefits. However, those six principles of cordiality can be further um, uh, boiled down to four you know, principles. Now, I'll give you uh, briefly or quote briefly quote you know, the uh, dis the you know, the main points of the discourse here. A person maintains bodily, or a community member, maintains bodily acts of loving-kindness, both in public and in private, towards his or her fellow uh, community members. This is a principle of cordiality that creates affection, respect, is conduce or conduces to helpfulness, to non-dispute, to concord, and to unity. And then, again, a community member maintains verbal acts of fatnet loving kindness, both in public and in private, towards certain of the uh, fellow community members. Then. Again, as a community member, one maintains mental acts of loving-kindness, both in public and in private, towards one's fellow community members. So, what we have here is one and the same thing, namely uh, metta. So, loving-kindness, maintaining... Mm, bodily, verbal, as well as mental acts of loving-kindness towards certain one's community or fellow community members. 
Now, sometimes there's a lot of emphasis on radiating loving kindness as part of a meta meditation. Good, but if that doesn't get followed up by loving kindness in speech and loving kindness in action, then a lot is missing. So we need to pay attention to the fact that our meta is really comprehensive in that it is present on a mental level, on a bodily level, and also on a verbal level. Now, as another principle of cordiality, the Buddha recommends, again, a community member uses things in common with his or her fellow community members without making reservations. One shares with them any righteous gain that has been righteously obtained. And certainly for the monastics, even sharing the contents of one's bowl. So, in the traditional Buddhist countries, the monastics go on alms round. They collect certain food, alms food. When they return, then this certain the Buddha says, then could be shared. Now. The next principle of cordiality is that of dwelling both in public and in private, possessing in common with one's certain fellow community members virtues that are unbroken. So an ethical code or an ethical conduct that is unbroken, untorn, unblemished, unmottled, freeing, praised by the wise, unadhered to, leading to concentration. And this too is a principle of cordiality that creates certain affection and respect and so on and so forth. So, virtue that is said to be unbroken, untorn, now refers to what kind of a virtue? The virtue of? Of a sealer, yes, and uh, you know, the virtue of someone who has gained you know, stream entry. And uh, with stream entry, once uh, you know, virtue is said uh, to be uh, impeccable, you know, one no longer you know, violates or transgresses uh, you know, the five precepts. Now, Obviously, in a community, not everyone will be a stream enterer, and nonetheless, each community member should work towards more and more refining his or her virtues. Now, finally, the Buddha recommends for a healthy community life the following principle of cordiality. He says, again, one dwells both in public and in private, possessing in common with one's fellow community members the wisdom that is noble and emancipating, and that leads one who acts in accordance with it to the complete destruction of fitness suffering. And certainly so this then is a noble wisdom that is that is nothing other than right view associated with a noble path. And so a wisdom that is emancipating and that lead one's, leads one to the destruction of suffering, well, that is nothing other than the attainment of arahanship. Now, this is easy to do. <laughs> Very difficult, Satna, to do. Indeed. Now, the Buddha then ends the discourse by saying that these certain principles of cordiality, so in total six principles, but boiled down to just boiling down to four principles of cordiality, that they create affection, they create respect, are conducive to helpfulness, to non-dispute, to concord, and to unity. 
Now, these six principles are, are useful not only for the monasteries, but they can be equally useful for an, a late a retreat, supplementation center, could be useful for many kind of organizations, probably all NGOs and INGOs and so on. And they could certainly be considered even on a more on a higher level, maybe even on a regional level or even beyond that. Now, if in a community there is no one who is willing to undertake the first step and to practice these principles of cordiality, what do you do? You practice them yourself. That's it. So you take the first step in the right direction. And if in a larger community you have at least one person who is following these principles, then gradually this spreads and suddenly then more and more people will see its certain benefits. Now, at the birthplace of Fatna the Buddha, namely Lumbini, Nepal, Mm, there's many different monasteries there, over 20 uh, uh, operating monasteries in different Buddhist traditions, so not only the Theravada tradition. Now, oftentimes, you know, when there are you know, different Satna traditions you know, together in one place, you know, then what Satna might happen? Huh? What's that? Yes, dispute and uh, discord uh, uh, arises for various reasons. And fortunately, you know, the monastics in, you know, at the birthplace of you know, the Buddha have, from an early point onwards, paid much attention to you know, these principles as well as uh, mostly these principles. And the result of this is that there's a really strong sense of unity among the different monasteries. We may be indifferent, we may adhere to different Buddhist traditions, but nonetheless, we are still all followers of the Buddha in you know, different with different manifestations. And in Lumbini, we are the minority, so we better stick together. <laughs> And so, when on occasion there is a dispute in the community, then it's helpful to remember these principles of cordiality and maybe go and give a gift or just give a token of friendship. And suddenly that then might help to restore peace. Now, this then pretty much brings us to the end of today's Dhamma talk. That's uh, maybe to some extent is not directly related to intensive you know, practice, but then in a you know, more in a wider sense it is. And thus, understanding both the arising of dependent origination as well as the seizing of those different factors in that certain series as as well as having ways to or criteria to choose a true spiritual friend may this spiritual friend then give us much valid beneficial advice wise advice and may this then conduce to all the many qualities that the Buddha has spoken of in terms of um, communal uh, uh, friendliness and have made ultimately and even and this is more important lead to the realization of the Dhamma in this very life and this is it for now
There's one announcement on a Friday evening. Venerable Analayo will be speaking at certain, or will be speaking, will be meeting with IMS Sutna staff at BCBS, Sutna Barry Center for Buddhist Studies. And uh, I would very much like to go and pay respect to him or, or, or meet Sutna, meet him. And Sutna, so that event starts at 7 o'clock. Our talk usually ends at 7 o'clock. And so, um, would it be okay with all of you if we start on that day, uh, as another exception, if we start uh, just a little earlier? And maybe, uh, maybe about 20 minutes earlier. Will that be okay? Good. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.